listener production. Okay, are you recording? Nice. Nice to have you joining us for episode 66, part A of the Howie Games. Firstly, a note to everyone listening, we at the Howie Games owe you all a big, big thank you because the download numbers, they have been going berserk, breaking all sorts of records, way, way beyond anything we could have anticipated. So you guys and girls are the bomb. You are. Thanks. Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye. Listen to me, time is your key. You will find out by and by. This week's guest is what I would call a bloody legend of a bloke. He's unpretentious, understated and unbelievable. His name is Chris Lynn. He's gone straight down the ground. It's a low. It's low. in a row at the MCG. Mark Moore's giggling. 50 That's his 50th 19 deliveries. Yeah, this is a man who the country knows for hitting the ball big and often. When Linny walks to the wicket, the anticipation in the crowd rises, social media goes off, and TV ratings spike. True story. He is box office. But more than that, Chris is at the forefront of the new generation of cricket and cricketers, a game where success isn't necessarily defined by a baggy green, where players are having to make choices that those before them were never faced with, and where pressure comes from new, different places and situations. Welcome to the game of cricket, through the eyes of one of the Bash brothers, Chris Lynn. Welcome to the Howie Games, the very fit-looking Christopher... What did you say? Austin Lynn? Austin Lynn. Austin Lynn. How are you, brother? Very well, thank you. Hey, this is a bit bizarre because we're <laughs> sitting in the Qantas Club. I tried to book a meeting room, but apparently you need IPL-style wages to afford a meeting room, so we're just actually doing it in the Qantas Club where you must spend a hell of a lot of your time in the airport, mate. Yeah, it's um, it's part of the parcel, I guess, but, yeah, it's, it's something that people goes under the radar, um, you know, travelling so much and... I guess, you know, you might fly, it might be all great going to the Caribbean, um, going to one tournament and flying for another game in another fixture, but it's um, people, won't, they don't see the travel and how your body reacts to that. Um, I'm lucky I'm only smaller, but those fast bowlers, someone like oh. Billy Stanlake, oh, oh my Billy. God, <laughs> takes him, like Ben Cutting, takes four or five days for him to get over a flight from Brisbane to Sydney, let alone going to the Caribbean, so it's... Um, yeah, you're certainly used to this environment, but it's as I said, it's part of the parcel and um, it's something you're used to. And he's trying, you figure out ways, whether it's Netflix, whether it's listen to wonderful Howie games. Oh, good man, Lenny. Good man, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> On the front foot early. <laughs> but um, yeah, we found out ways to, to get by and a um, bit of team bonding in between all that. So we've both been in the Caribbean Premier League, you starring and me talking about you starring. Uh, you play for the Guyana Amazon Warriors, which both times I've done the CPL has been my first game. Tell me, from Brisbane to uh, Georgetown, Guyana, what's your travel route, brother? Yeah, so Brisbane of an evening flight, Brisbane yep. to uh, LA, mm-hmm. that's at about 13 hours. Mm-hmm. I think it might be about a five or a nine-hour stop over there. I can't really remember, <laughs> but then fly across the country. Um, and still happen to be in the same country five hours later yeah. uh, to Miami where another five or nine hour stopover and then and then off to Guyana so literally two days of your life you're up um, above the clouds and it's um, 
you don't get those two days back, to be honest. And, <laughs> you know, with a body like mine, you want to be trying to make every day count. But, yeah, and, it is. And it then is going fun. out there to perform. Yeah, then having to get off a plane literally straight away and try and, you know, try and score some runs or try and be man of the match because you're expected to do that yeah. um, as an overseas player. So that's, that's another challenge. But... Uh, very, very um, grateful and fortunate enough that the teams respect the long hour flights and um, you know give you a couple of days to settle in. But um, different world to somewhere like India, yep. where they expect uh, results from from ball one. Do they straight away? Absolutely. I mean, you're getting paid paid a decent wedge to, to score runs and win games of cricket for your team. They don't really care what you do outside of that. But um, yeah, it's, it's that's one pressure of it. But um, you know as as cricketers, as athletes, that's what we're that's what we're out there to do, and the good ones adapt. Um, I've had a couple of lean lean tournaments early on in those countries, and I've learnt the hard way yeah. of, of trying to deal with the pressure. And I feel like I've, I'm in a good space now to, to do that. And the coaching staff around are bloody amazing. Yeah, um, very familiar with those guys. Um, currently at um, in the Caribbean, I've got Simon Cadditch which is also my assistant coach of Kolkata Knight Riders. So I've got that, that pillar to lean on and, uh, and bounce off things, not just cricket-wise, but, but off the field, which is probably more important when you're in a subcontinent or in the Caribbean, you don't have too many mates around. No, no, and I've seen, well, we've seen each other in that environment. Just a complete aside, something job of memory. The first time I did the Caribbean Premier League, I went Melbourne, LA, New York maybe Panama, Guyana. It took me about 46 hours. <laughs> and uh, I, drop had, a few kilos oh, mate, <laughs> I had to call a game that night and I'd never met um, the guys I was commentating with. Um, it was Darren Ganga and Mark Butcher yeah. and Ian Bishop, who's a big, tall, West Indian frightening man. And mm. I, I hadn't had a time linear to look at anything. So <laughs> I was looking at some highlights of... Um, the Jamaica Talawas when I got there in the hotel and old mate comes steaming and gets a wicket and he's got oats on his back I thought I'd better make because Talawas are playing I'd better make a few <laughs> notes about oats and then a bloke takes a cover at catch and he's got oats on the back and I think oh it must be the, the oats brothers and then the third bloke he gets a, a run out and it was oats and I thought that's their sponsor. Yeah, Bosco Oats. That I thought, Lily. Oh, imagine no. if I got there tonight oh, and no. said, what a catch by Oats. Oh, <laughs> and God. it was a sponsor. Oh, dear. And me. I walked in and uh, it was the first time I met Darren Ganga and I introduced myself as Howie and they must have, yeah, obviously, and for the first four overs, he called me Howard on air. Yeah. He thought that was yeah. my name and Be- I was like. Because they, they all watch the Big Bash, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> that's right. And uh, no. Well, <laughs> it's just, okay, Howard. wouldn't have been nervous at all. Oh, like mate. It was a, <laughs> anyway, this is, this, is about, this is about you, not me. Yeah. Hey, um, one of the reasons um, uh, we're sitting down having a chat is because you've moved into the world of business, and we're going to talk about cricket. But mate, you've come up with something, and we—it's we, always nice to be able to talk about what guests are doing on this show. And this is not a, a, a blatant plug per se, though, because you're doing something which is really, really cool. And I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old now, and they're at the age in a small town. And you think, well, how serious about they are about their sport? And how important is coaching? Is and you, penguin and yeah, the, the penguin and, and the pickle, mate. You are all over the Howie games. I'm happy you're listening. And the big penguin and the pickle. And all of a sudden, as a as a parent, you start to realise, wow, coaching. And you look back at your own what you've done in having a kick or having a hit or whatever. You're involved in an operation called Playbook Coach, which you need to explain because it's. It's a bloody good idea, Linny. Yeah. So Playbook Coach, um, basically what it is, it's an online booking platform where um, the most simplest way to find a coach and book a coach in your area. And um, from a coach's point of view, the coach can name his own price, his own time, his own location. 
Um, so basically, you got a, for example, you got a nine to five job. Yep. That's priority. But if you're interested in coaching or you're, you're currently retired player or, or whatnot, you can you can still keep involved in the game, um, which is, which is great. So it's totally flexible to the coach. But so the reason I come up with this idea is I've had plenty of downtime with a number of injuries. So mm-hmm. I've always thought it's not what I. Um, can't do it's what I can do and I've always wanted to give back to the game of cricket and the community um, and I, th- I was thinking what's the what was the pinpoint in my career that gave me that edge to, you know to play the next level to, to play first grade to play for the Queensland Bulls to play um, short format cricket for Australia and and I put it down to basically one-on-one specialized coaching and mentoring and I'm fortunate enough that through my career I've had that mm. um, at my feet and it's I've been very grateful of that but I was thinking, how can I give that opportunity to another kid who doesn't have the same um, opportunity at his feet, um, whether they're from the country, whether they're in the city. Um, it's uh, it's something that I've, I've found has been uh, something that I'm passionate about is obviously giving back to the game, but to see such an opportunity for the next kid, whether he wants to play, go from second grade to first grade, whether he wants to, you know, go... And play for the Brisbane Heat, whether he wants to move positions in the back line or whether he wants to play for Australia, he or she, sorry, play for Australia, um, or even as simple as, as giving that kid the confidence to play team sport. Yeah. Uh, because not, you know, when I was growing up, I was, I was intimidated to join a team at times, but, um, you know, having a guy give me the confidence um, to join that team, not only uh, join it but contribute, is, is a massive boost and it obviously it puts a massive smile on my face seeing kids come through and do that and I think it's a, it's the most simplest way to do it and there's you know there's value out there not only for um, you know we're not an elitist platform by any means so we don't we don't necessarily always want you know the big dogs the the Adam Gilchrist the Ricky Ponnings the uh, Adam Trelaws of the world. Uh, we want guys, you know, who are just passionate and, and quality coaches giving back to the younger generation. And ultimately, as Aussies, mate, we want, I want to keep kids outside. Yeah. I, hate seeing, I hate coming home yeah. and seeing kids just play on their iPad, playing Fortnite. Yeah, it's a fun game or whatnot, but I'd love... Where are the days of playing backyard cricket or yep. kicking, kicking a ball through two, two trees? Um, you know, as Australians, that's, uh, that's how I was brought up and I don't want to see that lost because... I think we take for granted, especially coming from Brisbane, the weather that we get, and I think sometimes we definitely take that for granted. So if I'm um, if I'm a parent or a child, and I'm a nine-year-old, and I'm living in an area where I don't have access to coaching, or I don't have coaching that I think is working for me, how do I get on your platform? How does it work, and what do I do? Yeah, so you can basically go on um, www.playbook.coach, yep. type in your area. Um, some areas won't have your coaches, so if you go to a more popular, um, populated area, just for example, so Brisbane, type in Brisbane and then type in cricket and all the coaches that have signed up will, will literally drop down and there's an order, there's a biography of that coach. Right. So, for example, Chris Lynn, I charge my own price and at the moment I think it's $300 per hour. So I, I, as a young cricketer, I can get coached by you? Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, the big penguin will be all over this. You'll want to pull out <laughs> yeah, the credit card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so, and, that, and that's basically it. It's... Um, 
it's yeah, it's an online booking platform, so he can then click on my profile, hit book, and then I've got a session lined up in in the allocated times that I've set um, when a free, basically based on my training schedule or when I've got a bit of downtime. Um, so at the moment, my current schedule has been turned off because I'm preparing to play for the uh, Caribbean Premier League. But yeah, there's you know we want we want a number of coaches on there that are just available to give that opportunity for a kid, and basically that's it. Um, type in Fantastic. type in South Melbourne type in netball and Kimmy Revalian will come up um, type in uh, you know Williamstown and a, and a local first grade coach will come up who's um, who's wanting to help out juniors or looking to try and uh, upskill himself in, in the um, leadership world yep. um, it's it's not all about obviously kicking and catching we we target mentoring as well because I think playing that role of a mentor is as as I said earlier uh, made a difference in me coming through the ranks and, and learning a lot more quicker um, than your than your average. And you've got some, as you say, you, you want coaches of all levels. They don't need to all be Chris Lynn as your coach, yeah. but you've got some outstanding coaches that have been and currently are professional athletes, mate. Yeah, we do. Like even this morning, we're signing Stephen Milne, one of the you know the shortest blokes in the yeah. league, but one of the most dominant. Yeah. Um, to have him on the platform is exceptional, and then. Um, Adam Trelaw, Adam another Trelaw. one. So you look at Trelaw's profile on Playbook. He's not charging. I wouldn't say you know a hell of a lot, but two hundred dollars an hour. But he's passionate to coach. Yeah. Um, he wants to. He wants to. You know, have a group of kids and coach them and mentor them. Right. You know, they might be ten years old. He might still be coaching them when they're twenty, when they're thirty, and they might have the best career. And how good a story is that? Adam Trelaw starting with these young kids yeah. early, all the way through. Um, but as I said, we're no means an elitist platform. Um, we can, you know, Adam Trelaw can get booked a lesson by by a first grade coach, and um, Adam might just upskill their their training drills. Right. Um, which is the beauty of it. So it flows through the entire it, oh, from the, grassroots. It, it's too. endless. Yeah. It's a very um, cool idea, we're mate. We're, we're, we just want to upskill coaches. We want to give kids the opportunity, and we want to give them confidence to better their best. Um, and that's basically it. And I think there's a massive private coaching in Australia is very, you know, segmented. I think, and there's there's a massive opportunity to really dominate uh, this industry and try and, as I said, keep kids outdoors and keep kids in sport for much longer. We've seen, I think, the stats show that for women or, or girls, I think 15 or 16 is the average. Uh, when they when they hit 15 or 16, they massive drop off, and for and for boys and men, it's about uh, 18 and 19. Mm-hmm. Where the massive drop off is, and uh, you don't have to be Einstein to work out why it drops off. Mm. But it's um, we're trying to keep those kids for longer in the sport, and I go back to what we are as Australians. We're we, we're made of that in in this country, and um, we want to keep continuing um, that culture. It's great to see the passion you've got for it. Um, and we'll mention it again at the end of the show and where people can get involved at Playbook Coach. Where did it all start from you? Where did you grow up and what your mum and dad all about, Linny? So, where did it all start for me? So, my old man played water polo for Australia. Did he? Yeah. What's his name? Um, Cole Lynn. Right. Big Cole. Big Cole. Yeah. And big, um, like those water polo. Mate, he's tall. Yeah, he's units. tall. And, you know, it, it, sport back then, he didn't get paid anywhere near um, the amount that, that we are lucky to get paid. But, um, he, yeah, he's... Um, drainage contractor as well so he was on the shovel most of the day and um, yeah so he was fortunate well sorry I was fortunate enough to I actually wanted a footy field in my back in the well in the backyard footy AFL footy rugby uh, league rugby league rugby, rugby league, league right. some goalposts right 
um, couldn't quite get the uh, the acreage. Right. So it was, a, it was a cricket net down the side of the house. And how that came about is we were just playing cricket <laughs> and, um, you know, the turf, when you, when it's a bit wet, your heel gets dug in yeah, or whatnot. Yeah. And I bowled a ball and it would have been a wide and it actually come back and it was a leather ball and hit him you know, between the legs. So he <laughs> said, we can't have, an, can't have any more of this because he was saying <laughs> he, loves, he loves a beer and he couldn't have a screamer for a week, I reckon. He was in too much pain. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he's a pretty hands-on guy and, and a cricket net went down the side of the house. And that's basically where my, my cricket began. Right. Um, but as a kid, you know, you play all sports. So I was a rugby league junior and uh, went to a rugby union school. And, um, yeah, that's how I, that's, I suppose, slightly ahead of the game when it comes to cricket because I think it's so important to play play all sports. Yeah, which think, you did. Which Yeah, as, as a junior, it's uh, I felt I always had that edge um, strength-wise as a kid from playing the contact sports growing up. You know, your core strength is a bit, is a bit stronger because normally in the gym we might... As a creator, we might max out once every six weeks or eight weeks, but as a footy player, when you make a tackle, you're maxing out every time you make that tackle to win that contest. Mm-hmm. So automatically, you, you've got that edge. And um, sometimes I get a bit bored, I guess, as a kid playing. If you, if I was playing cricket 12 months a year, yep. so it was awesome to break it up, um, kicking a share and kicking a steed, and or, or getting in the pool and having a swim. So, and you, so you played representative sport, a few different sports. Yeah, so uh, I was actually captain of the Queensland under 12s rugby league and cricket in the same year. Were you? Yeah, so that um, <laughs> that was pretty cool. And yeah. That's how I know the boys now growing up. Yep. And, and then I think I was scholarship to the Broncos when I was 16 or 17. Um, and then had a knee recon uh, straight after that. But and at I, that stage... Oh, I wouldn't say I had to choose because right. I was sort of leaning towards cricket because I was, getting, I was sick of getting belted by yeah. the blokes. Yeah, um, you're not the world's biggest man. No, only, only small and, you know, the, the, they're, they're big boppers. And I actually looked forward to going to training because no matter how tall or how fast they bowl, I could still send the ball back over the head, whereas <laughs> it's a different story when you're going to league training on, yep. a, on a Monday or Tuesday night doing contact work. So, yeah, I went down that path and it, um, it's, I haven't really looked back. It's, I haven't really sat down and appreciated the, the 10 years of professional cricket so far because I, I don't want to put an end to it just yet. I still believe I've got another seven, seven years of solid cricket and Holy. I think my best cricket is still to come because I've had a bloody shit run of injuries yeah, yeah, the last, you have. The last um, which, four years. Which we'll get to. What were, you, what were you like at school? Any? What was the reports? Chris is a... I was a, I was a prefect, what actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Believe, believe it or not. Really? I can believe that. <laughs> um, more the street smart, not, right. the, not the book smart. Right. Um, being there, yeah, no, I got along well with most people, which I think helps. It's obviously, you know, the cliche, it's not what you know, it's who yep. you know. And I sort of went went with that throughout school and um, obviously having a sporting background helps as well, getting through and, and not being a dickhead. I yeah. Think, you know, you look back and you go, think, oh, shit, I was a dickhead to that teacher or yep. whatnot. And, um, you know, you see a lot of your mates carrying on and wonder why they are where they are you show that it took me a while to show that respect for the for the older older statesman but i got there and actually appreciate it more and i can sit down and have a beer with basically anyone now and talk about you know days in nudgy or or whatever it may be one of my first coaches or whoever it was just because i love um i love meeting people love love you know looking back on that journey that i had with them Mm. and seeing if they had if they made an impact on on today's um you know, performances. Mm. 
Do you remember your first game of cricket away from the backyard? Your first actual game of cricket? Who were you playing for? Yeah, I do. I was playing for Everton Districts, which is at Chermside, about you know, 10 minutes from my place back home. and Under? Under eights, I reckon it was. Right. And I... Well, I started rugby league when I was five, so Did I you? thought cricket was, you know, second my second sport, and only because a mate, one of Dad's water polo mates, wanted to, um, his kid just wanted me to play with him, I, and competitive bastard that I, that I am, I couldn't say no, and um, hitting a six in under eights was was like forbidden, and I ended up hitting three of them and and took a hat trick in my first ever game of cricket. On debut. <laughs> yeah, so I've got the ball at home in the mount. Three sixes yeah. and a hat trick. Um, so I was pretty rat with that. I only got to face 15 balls, but ended up with 36 not out or whatever. And um, was, I, I remember it clear as day. And I didn't even know what a hat trick basically was back then. Um, but yeah, it's it, a good uh, it's, story. It's, it's um, you know you're bowling a rubber ball on a on a concrete wicket and. And that's basically where it started. What were you sending down? Because uh, internationally, oh. we haven't seen you roll the arm over no, too often, Vinny. No, um, I was a left arm medium pacer growing up. Right. Uh, but as you said, I was only small, so I turned into a few left arm orthodox. Right. But with the shoulder injury the last few years, it's, yeah. it's gone into hiding. But you never know, I might come out again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not, not going to say I'm going to get a hat trick. But <laughs> so, what year were you born, Vinny? 1990. 1990. 1928. So when did the IPL start? I want to say 2000. I reckon it was. The, I reckon it was the eleventh year this year. Right. Okay. So it's like 2006, 2007. Yeah. So, so the competition that was going to change a lot of cricketers' lives probably came. You were probably 16 or 17 yeah. when it Yeah, it was. Off. I was actually sitting in England. I reckon it would have been yeah maybe 18. Right. So I've played. I think I've been involved in seven years of IPL now. Right. Uh, the first couple of years, Darren Lehman picked me up as a 19-year-old or 20-year-old. Um, Hold that thought. We'll get to the IPL. Yep. It just interests me because it became so influential in, yeah, in so many cricketers' lives. So at what stage did you start to think? Like, how old were you when you finished up with school? 17. Right. And, 2007. And at that stage, were you thinking, I want to become a professional cricketer? Or was there a pl- what, what was at the At that go? stage, I was thinking, shit, I don't want to go to uni. Right. I don't want to go to work. Right. So how are we going to make this work? I respect that, and, not wanting to go to work. And that made me so much more hungrier to, to do something that I love. And obviously cricket cricket was that passion. And how can you how can you then make a career out of it? I, I didn't want to be a cricketer but come on the scene just for one or two years um, and then, I guess, chase my tail. I've, I've always wanted to play for Australia, pl- dominate any game that was in front of me basically um, and I think I had that in, um, ingrained in me since I was a junior yep um, you know whether it's a game of ping pong you know in, at the, in the backyard or whether you whether you're at a sports carnival or whatever it may be so yeah it's um, I just it was probably I was probably more thinking more negative than positive having oh, I'm not very smart um, in terms of book smart but um, I don't really want to go out in the in the workforce I'd rather do something where I've got a half a chance to, to, to make something of it and and grab and grab it with both hands and just just own it like um, and that's what I've tried to do over the last last 10 years so when did you first play for Queensland what type of format were you, was it um, so I played I think it was before the big bash whatever it was called oh yeah yeah, um, yeah. when it was when it was when state it was, based when it was state based and right. it was a nine over game um, I actually didn't bat 
Nine over game, went yeah. to rain or something. Yeah, in Sydney, didn't Rock. do anything. Roy was big. Roy was still playing then. Big Roy. Yeah, big Roy. So I made my debut with him, and then played a couple of one days for the Bulls, and then I think two or three weeks later, Sheffield Shield debut come along. Uh, so in the space of being a rookie contracted player, I got upgraded to a full contract and being in all three formats for the Queensland Bulls and. Um, my first couple of outings were, were tough as it was I think it was when the floods were, were happening oh, in yeah, Brisbane right. so the, the Gabba had branches growing off it and it was um, I was facing I can't remember who I was facing but it was someone like Nathan Coudinile mm-hmm. and I thought shit I don't want to be here like, right. this is next level I'm not sure if I got it in me and then um, happened happened to nick a couple and, and got away and got my start and um, as you as the, you probably know once I get in I'm mm. just hard hard battle to get out but mm. half that battle is well every every batter's battle is is getting in um and then just fell in love with that competition um of bat v ball and then um yeah just rolled on from there back to chris in a moment next episode of the howie games features a man who has not only played in an afl grand final but also in a super bowl his name is ben graham and he has one amazing story to tell my booth became the biggest hub for the world's media because they thought I had the best story to tell based on where I'd come from. And I had that opportunity to tell it. So all sorts, from the kangaroos down the streets to the guys in the big white coats and the big white hats that signal a, signal a goal in the <laughs> AFL to, to drop punts to... The whole the, the whole repertoire of, of my story um, on on that media day, and you know there's the world's media. You're talking the reaches of billion <clears throat> people. That sort of when it I realised how huge it actually was. That's Ben Graham. Next up on the Howie Games. Alrighty, back to Chris. What's your mindset when you go out to bat? Because when I was growing up, you know. Even playing junior cricket, it was, you know, last the first 10 overs and then see how we can go from there. And when I was growing up, Marsh and Boone, you know, would bat together and if we'd make 230, you know, because Marsh, you'd get 100 off 150 balls and yeah, win the yeah. one day. What's your attitude when you walk out the bat? Well, it actually depends. I, and I think, you know, one issue that I've had is, is consistency. So some days I walk out there with my chest puffed out just pretty much saying you're not going to get me out today other days it's shit i'm not sure if uh if i can hit one off the square or and that's just a feeling it's just a feeling um it's how i woke up in the morning it's uh you know was my preparation on 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 point um you know there's there's days where i just feel like i'm not going to score a run but i'm not going to get out so i might bat a hand like a 200 balls but be not many runs um or there's some days I feel like I can hit hit the, every ball for four, and I was just, I suppose, my old man's always said, play every ball on its merits, and whether it's you know, cricket coaches have always said if if you had five or six runs off the over, that's enough, get through, and see the next over out. Like I've never been about that. I've always just played every ball. If they bowl two half volleys at the same time, you smack them for six. Why don't you do it the third ball? <laughs> Rather than get a single, oh, smart cricket, everybody's clapping, yep. coaches happy. Like, yep. like, why don't you take that next ball for six, which is the same ball, and make the next the following over even easier? Um, 
so I've always had that mindset of just playing what's in front of you and I do get in trouble for that at, at times um, but that's just the way you've got to take the good with the bad because I'm always trying to drive the game and look if, I, if I'm trying to drive the game more likely than not the luck of the bounce is going to go mm. with, my, with me and um, yeah that's basically when I walk out the bat my mindset just changes like it's and you can see that through my performance. Yeah, you as can. Well. You can. Tell tell me um, because I, I really want to explore. You are the because of where you've been born and the way you play, Linny, and and what's happened in the game. You're the you're the new age cricketer. It's uh, I don't know what motivates the new age cricketer, which is what I really want to explore with you. Just try and think back. So we're talking about a ten year professional career. Tell me the sides you've played for in that time um, so starting off with the Queensland Bulls yep Brisbane Heat uh, Australian 2020 Australian one game for the Australian one day team I've played for the Kandorada Warriors which is Sri Lankan Premier League right that only lasted one or two years because of the, the dodgy bricks over there <laughs> uh, and then um, so Deccan Charges under IPL Darren, IPL under Darren Lehman for a couple of years Kolkata Knight Riders in the IPL, uh, the Jamaica Tullawas in the Caribbean, the Guyana Amazon Warriors, and and soon to be the Trinbago Night Riders, and I'm pretty sure that's that's all the teams that, that, that I played with. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair old in the space of ten years. Yeah, yeah. So and, and for a bloke that's always prided himself on trying to be a one-team man, it's, yeah, it's uh, quite difficult, especially with the 2020 franchise. And that's sort of what I'm getting to, Linio. The the rules have changed for, for cricketers Absolutely. in the way you approach it. So tell me, what is it like being a professional T20 player? We'll focus on that at the moment. Like, what what is it actually like from day to day? Um. Well, I guess there's no long-term contracts as such. So, you know, my, my only long-term contract is the Brisbane Heat. So I've got another three... I signed a five-year deal with them two years ago. So that's my only real security. Other than that, you're basically going on performance-based, hoping you get picked up for the next tournament based on your performances. Um, so how do you foster a team environment in that situation? When you go to Guyana and you might not know half the blokes, you get there two days before the first game... And everyone knows that to perform will get them another year. Yeah. So how do you foster a team environment in that situation? Uh, well, with this, in the space of 2020 career, you've played with most of the players. Right. Um, and, and because all the teams are rattled off, not to mention the, the Canada League or the Pakistan Super League, and I missed out through injury with those, yep. um, you've nearly played with you know, 70% of the players around the world now. And... Um, you know, and that's where there's not as much sledging anymore because you are so friendly with the blokes. But I guess I'm over there to do that job, and and I understand I'm a freelance player that I'm not going to always get on with the coach, but uh, or, or the captain. But I know I'm over there for one reason, um, and that's just to score runs, win games of cricket for my team. And I'm going to do it my way. Um, I don't always buy into the the teams. Well, in my own game, I know if I do well, the team generally, you know, is quite successful. No, so with, without, it, being a, without being an yeah. arrogant prick about it. So how does a coach... You, you, you know what works for you, but you might have four different coaches mm. in a year. Do they instruct you as to how they want you to bat or it's not at that level? No, they do. They do. So every coach is different, but again... They've bought me for a reason because they like what I do. Okay. Um, so if I stick to plan A, which is what what I do, then they are happy to build the, the structure around that. 
there's no point telling Steve Smith or Dave Warner or Chris Gale to bat differently because don't, otherwise he's not playing for your team. So they're paying me to go over there and, and, and do the job for what I, what I do for the Brisbane Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and at times I've had to adapt. So for something like in India, I've had to you know, lower my strike rate, get off strike and, and respect um, the bowling a bit more. Um, Let's talk about the IPL. Your first couple of years you went over there, um, or did you, you play one game in the first one, couple one of years? One game in three years, I reckon, right. with and So what's that like? Oh, it's a nightmare. Back then, it was the IPL was a lot more, a lot more partying. Yep. Um, so I've definitely soaked that up. But yep. on top of that, I, I, um, I was like a sponge because I was playing with guys like Dale Stain, Cameron White, JP Dominey, Kumar Sangakara. Um, these guys are, you know, my heroes growing up, and to be a sponge around that group, I actually probably learned a lot more uh, just about how professional they were. And not playing, uh, probably learned a lot quicker because I had that hunger to get back in that in those sides. And I was on, um, it's nothing to, you know, smudge at, but I was on 20 grand for the two or three years over there. Um, but I was over there for the experience and I felt like having that I wasn't doing anything else in the off season back here I was just going to the, going to the footy and, and catching up with mates so why didn't it was a great opportunity to learn to, to bat on subcontinent wickets and, and not being the greatest player of spin um, I feel like I've, I've learnt my trade a lot better having that experience over there but Was it difficult like you're on the other side of the world you're away from your mates um, in relative terms to what the IPL is now, you're not mm. getting paid much. You're going from hotel to hotel to airport to airport and you're not getting a game. Is that difficult to deal with as an individual? Because you don't have the support around you, which is what you mentioned at the start. Yeah, it was. Uh, it does get tough. And especially in a country like India where you walk outside and you're very restricted to what you do. You've got to have police in front and behind of your cars. Um, it takes an extra 45 minutes to do something or, or to get food and uh, mentally draining. Uh, and, and as a, I was a 20-year-old then, I was luckily I had someone like Buff who I nearly related to as like a father figure um, because he was he was then moved up to Brisbane and he was someone that I could just lean on if I was if I didn't want to train or you having a shit day. He was he was more than happy just for me to stay back and, um, and chill in the hotel room. But we we had a very good squad. We had Dan Christian over there, um, Doc Doc Harris, Daniel Harris, yep. and and they were just great blokes to be around. So it was wasn't as hard as um, I guess you always at that age I was trying to chase the cheerleaders around so that uh, certainly kept me busy <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, uh, especially not playing you, yeah. you could do that but you know, the, the game's totally evolved now and it's you, you would have seen since IPL one, yep. it was it was more party focused than cricket. Now it's the total opposite. Opposite, you don't get that. And with the the short turnaround of games and the way my body is, I've got to be so much more professional now. And it's probably taken me an extra two years to adapt to that. Right. Um, if I'm being honest, and and that's probably why I've had a couple of um, you know, lower limb injuries because I haven't looked after my body. So I've learned that, as I said, I learned the hard way. But I feel like I'm, I've I know my body well enough now, and um, you know. I'm, I know I look 40, but I'm only 28. And it's, uh, some, some, days I, some days I feel 40, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it's been a good journey that, in that sense. And um, as I said, learning the hard way, I've, I feel like I've, I can really you know, push, to, push to my potential over the next coming years. We'll get to this year's IPL in a moment, but at that early stage when you started dominating on 
the big bash, but it was always, ah, no, he won't do any good in the IPL because he can't play spin, mm. can't play spin, can't play spin. That was the knock on Chris Lynn. Yeah, it was, and it, and it hurt. Um, you know, I think I missed out on two T20 World Cups in, in Bangladesh and India after having been the leading run scorer in the BBL for those years. And um, I think going to going to India and, again, learning, learning the trade of playing against spin um, definitely helped. But I think when it really clicked was when I played for Guyana in the CPL, having been one of the worst wickets in the world. Oh, that low... Um, low shit heap. It was no yeah. good. And um, I knew I had to have the discipline because a, a good scorer in Georgetown was 130. So I knew I could take a little bit more time and, and um, I knew if I got through those middle overs and stick to my discipline, um, I'd really I'd really cash in towards the back end. So that was a turning point for me um, as I feel really comfortable now coming up against um, some of the best spinners in the world like your Rashid Khans or Adil Rashid. They're, you know, they're quality world-class mm. bowlers and knocked over you know, the best in the world. So um, to have some sort of an idea and get through them and get down the other end is very pleasing because... In my game, I like to strike strike uh, the quicks at you know, 250 plus, and if I can just hit a runner ball against a spin, I get down the other end and and um, you know batting a partnership with the bloke at the other end it's it's, it's vital and um, that's where I've learned to again go up and down the gears in the game yep. of 2020. It used to just be you know bang bang bang, but having Gear that five from first ball absolutely getting yep. that batsmanship now with your partner is so important and and winning those key moments which I've learned, but. Yeah, definitely from that year in the CPL that that um, that we enjoyed together was yep. was the turning point for me. And to be leading run scorer in that tournament on that wicket, being our home ground, playing half the games there was, was something that I pride myself on. And what something is that I go back to when, when the critics come out saying I can't play spin because I look at, look at the IPL and uh, I'm just going from Col- my team, Kolkata, I saw some of our you know, best batters struggled against the same spinners, and I f- managed to find a way to get down the other end. So, it's the, you know, the critics are out there, and they they just find easy options to have a dip yeah. at you, but um, they don't look at the flip side of it when you're scoring at 270 against you know someone like Dale Stain or yep. or um, Sean Tate, someone like that. That's the end of part A of Chris Lim, but don't worry, there's plenty more. So check out part B right now. Listener.